Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Pop quiz. How many nations in the ancient world expressed the relationship with their God or gods by means of a covenant? Yeah, one, which of course was Israel. Now, eight of the 10 times that the word covenant appears in the word Leviticus, you're going to find them in chapter 26 that we're going to hear today. But more than that, one of the blessings is something that is so weird and mind-blowing that that it not only undergirds our passage in 1 Corinthians 12, but honestly, it's one of the hardest things for us to wrap our brains around at all. And welcome once again to this little thing we do Monday through Saturday, reading through the Bible in a year, reading through all of God's revelation of himself, his mind in print, and considering our own life and work stories in light of that. And spoiler alert, just so you know what I'm talking about. Because my assertion here today is that one of the greatest blessings, one of the greatest possible blessings is that is one of the hardest things for us to imagine. A principal element of a covenant document is a section of sanctions, meaning blessings and curses that are dependent on how one keeps the covenant agreement. Often they appear at the close of a covenant document and they enumerate the sovereign's granting of rewards and punishments based on the vassal's obedience or disobedience. That'd be you and me. Now, as you're going to hear in Leviticus 26 today, and trust me, this relates to 1 Corinthians 12, you're going to hear God say, I will place my residence among you and I will not reject you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. My friends, that is a rather critical thing that we see from the book of Genesis to the book of maps. I mean, Revelation, one of the greatest possible blessings is this thing that's hard for us to imagine. Now, what does that have to do with our New Testament passage? Well, in this section of 1 Corinthians, section uh, chapter 11 through 14, we're talking about divisions over corporate worship, right? We heard about head coverings and that weird stuff, social snobbery at the Lord's table. And then today we hear about what it means to elevate one's spiritual gift above others. This was one of the sources of division that clearly they were having. But it's one of the passages that we use for learning about spiritual gifts. Now, here's the thing. What is a spiritual gift? It is the gift of the Holy Spirit working in and through you. Oh, doing what? Placing residence among you, not rejecting you, walking among you, being your God, and you will be his people, right? Here's the crazy thing. It's not our superpower per se. It's God's residence in you and partnership with you for his mission and purpose and glory. That was a long intro, but I'm just kind of got myself all excited. So thanks for suffering with me. First Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. 
Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit, capital S, speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit, capital S, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all of the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one Spirit, capital S, we were all given one Holy Spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, oh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, oh, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye... Where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts don't need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be, catch this, so that there would be no division in the body but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues, now, are, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts, 
and I will show you an even better way. Mmm! Oh, I just get goosebumps, uh, <laughs> partially because I wrote a song with that very last line there. Uh, do all, are all teachers, do all have gifts of healing? Do all interpret, you know, he's, he's asking rhetorical questions there. No, but whoever you are and whatever your gift, desire the greater gifts and I will show you an even better way. And we will come back to that tomorrow. Because now, my friends, we're going to finish up chapter 25 of Leviticus where we left off. And then we're going to read this really important chapter in the book of Leviticus. And this is right at the very end of this section that we read yesterday. And I probably should have just finished it. But uh, it's about the sabbatical and the jubilee years. Okay, so let me just finish this off. And then we're going to knock down chapter 26. If an alien or temporary resident living among you prospers... But your brother living near him becomes destitute and sells himself to the alien living among you or to a member of the resident alien's clan. He has the right of redemption after he has been sold. One of his brothers may redeem him. His uncle or cousin may redeem him or any of his close relatives from his clan may redeem him. And if he prospers, he may redeem himself. The one who purchased him is to calculate the time from the year he sold himself to the year of Jubilee and the price of his sale will be determined by the number of years. It will be set for him like the daily wages of a hired worker. If many years are still left, he must pay his redemption price in proportion to them based on his purchase price. If only a few years remain until the year of Jubilee, he will calculate and pay the price of his redemption in proportion to his remaining years. He will stay with him like a hired man year by year. A resident alien is not to rule over him harshly in your sight. If he is not redeemed in any of these ways, he and his children are to be released at the year of Jubilee. For the Israelites are my servants. They are my servants that I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so that was, uh, you know, this thing about, you know, redemption of property and, uh, and redemption of people and land and a holy people. Importantly, we're supposed to be a free people. Now, the essentially covenant nature of this whole book of Leviticus is made crystal clear in what is coming up uh, that we won't get to tomorrow, which says, these are the commands the Lord gave Moses for the Israelites on Mount Sinai. So I'm just going to pause and say, remember where we're at from Exodus chapter 19 through to Numbers chapter 9 or 10, we're all sitting right at the base of Mount Sinai, right? So here come the Ten Commandments, and then the building of the tabernacle, and then all of these, like, other details. But let's not miss the picture of where God has brought people from, where he's promising them that they will go to, and uniquely doing so in the context of a covenant that makes a commitment from a God, like in this case, the creator of the whole cosmos, to the nation of Israel. And by extension, you and me, that's a topic for another day. But now, like a suzerain vassal, that would mean like king and subjects or the ruling kingdom and the subject kingdom, that's called a suzerain vassal type of covenant. 
And those kinds of covenants had blessings and cursings. It'd be kind of like if you bought a car or a house on a contract, but then it had this extended list of all of the things that were going to happen to you and your family and your land and your dog and your and your pet frog if you kept or don't keep the covenant you with me all right leviticus 26 that was probably more of an intro than we needed do not make worthless idols for yourselves set up a carved image or sacred pillar for yourselves or place a sculpted stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. Keep my Sabbaths and revere my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my statutes and faithfully observe my commands, I will give you rain at the right time, and the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until sowing time. You will have plenty of food to eat and live securely in your land. I will give peace to the land, and you will lie down with nothing to frighten you. I will remove dangerous animals from the land, and no sword will pass through your land. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will pursue a hundred, and a hundred of you will pursue ten thousand. Your enemies will fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you, make you fruitful and multiply to you, and confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old grain of the previous year and will clear out the old to make room for the new. I will place my residence among you, and I will not reject you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. But if you do not obey me and observe all these commands, if you reject my statutes and despise my ordinances and do not observe all my commands and break my covenant then I will do this to you. I will bring terror on you, wasting disease and fever that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will sow your seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will turn against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those you hate will rule over you and you will even flee, though no one is pursuing you. But if after these things you will not obey me, I will proceed to discipline you seven times for your sins. Pause, my friends. What did we just catch right there? Difficulty is designed or or is there in part for restoration to, to turn us around, right? But if after these things you won't obey, if after that you still won't keep your end of the bargain, I will proceed to discipline you seven times for your sins. I will break down your strong pride. I will make your sky like iron and your land like bronze, and your strength will be used up for nothing. Your land will not yield its produce, and the trees of the land will not bear their fruit. If you act with hostility toward me and under and are unwilling to obey me, I will multiply your plagues seven times for your sins. I will send wild animals against you that will deprive you of your children, ravage your livestock, and reduce your numbers until your roads are deserted. 
If, in spite of these things, you do not accept my discipline, but act with hostility toward me, then I will act with hostility toward you. I also will strike you seven times for your sins. I will bring a sword against you to execute the vengeance of the covenant. Though you withdraw into your cities, I will send a pestilence among you, and you will be delivered into enemy hands. When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will bake your bread in a single oven and ration out your bread by weight so that you will eat but not be satisfied. And if in spite of this you do not obey me, but act with hostility toward me, I will act with furious hostility toward you. I will also discipline you seven times for your sins. Now catch this, my friends. You will eat the flesh of your sons. You will eat the flesh of your daughters. My friends, did that happen? Yes, it did. Arguably, it is still happening in a different way. I will destroy your high places, cut down your shrines, and heap your lifeless bodies on the lifeless bodies of your idols. I will reject you. I will reduce your cities to ruins and devastate your sanctuaries. I will not smell the pleasing aroma of your sacrifices. I will also devastate the land so that your enemies who come to live there will be appalled by it. I will scatter you among the nations, and I will draw a sword to chase after you. So your land will become desolate and your cities will become ruins. Then the land will make up for its Sabbath years during the time it lies desolate while you are in the land of your enemies. At that time, the land will rest and make up for its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it will have the rest it did not have during your Sabbaths when you lived there. I will put anxiety in the hearts of those of you who survive in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a wind-driven leaf will put them to flight, and they will flee as one flees from the sword and fall, though no one is pursuing them. They will stumble over one another as if fleeing from a sword, though no one is pursuing them. You will not be able to stand against your enemies. You will per perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will devour you. Those who survive in the lands of your enemies will waste away because of their iniquity. They will also waste away because of their ancestors' iniquity along with theirs. But when they confess their iniquities and the iniquity of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness that they practiced against me and how they acted with hostility toward me and how I acted with hostility toward them and brought them into the land of their enemies, and when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will also remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land abandoned by them will make up for its Sabbaths by lying desolate without the people while they make amends for their iniquity because they rejected my ordinances and abhorred my statutes. Yet, in spite of this, while they are in the land of their enemies, catch this, friends, while they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them and break my covenant with them, since I am the Lord their God. My friends, do you hear that? When you're off dealing with the junk of your sin, who is faithful? Yet in spite of this, while they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject or abhor them so as to destroy them, 
and break my covenant with them, since I am the Lord their God. For their sake I will remember the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes, ordinances, and laws the Lord established between himself and the Israelites through Moses on Mount Sinai. Leviticus chapter 26. Lord God, please give us ears to hear. Lord, help us to just not hear that as some weird thing that happened 3,500 years ago. Lord, help us to realize that your heart has always been faithful and that you just desire for us to turn back to you and say, Lord, It's not you who were unfaithful, it was me. Lord God, I just pray for each person listening right here, Lord, that we would would just touch down with your Holy Spirit wherever wherever we happen to touch down. Lord, and that our communities, our workplaces, our homes would be blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and through us with the spiritual gifts that you've given to each one of us, Lord, because you have promised to take up residence in us and to work through us. If only, if only, we will turn to you. Lord, may we live as living sacrifices and let you do just that. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.